This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Empowered and Unapologetic is part of the Practice of the Practice Podcast Network, a family of podcasts that change the world. To hear other podcasts like the Bomb Mom Podcast, Beta Male Revolution, or Imperfect Thriving, go to practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. There is something to be said about vulnerability. We tend to mask our pain unintentionally. However, when two women decide to put their guards down and share their personal stories, that is when true magic happens. We have the most amazing guest today, but today's interview isn't going to be what you think. My guest today, Kristen Ulmer, is a thought leader, master facilitator, and fear anxiety expert who radically challenges existing norms around the subject of this deeply misunderstood emotion. Her education on this subject comes from practical, real-world experience, starting with being a mogul specialist on the U.S. ski team. Known for big cliff jumps and you fall, you die descents, she became sponsored by the likes of Red Bull, Ralph Lauren, and Nikon, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame on September of 2019. Her majesty of other danger sports, including paragliding, ice and rock climbing, kiteboarding, adventure mountain biking, and flying trapeze also gained her the outdoor industry vote as the most extreme, fearless woman athlete in North America, beating all danger stars, not just skiers. Today's episode speaks volumes about the fearless and courageous woman she is. Sit back, relax, and grab a box of tissue because it's about to get real. Interesting interview because I just told my husband last night I want a divorce. Oh, all right, girl. Yeah. Well, hey, we can go. We can go whatever way. We can go wherever, whatever way you want. We can go where. I'm taking you through that and what that's like. And now I'm acting as the expert. And then we could do another recording of you talking all about fear because I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've, I already love you. Don't even know you, but like just watching some of your videos and doing um, research on you, it's like, oh shit. All right, let's do this. Like totally in it. But no, yeah, let's, talk about, let's talk about fear because this is ultimately not about me. It's about your audience. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, 
there are so many women I are going through the same thing. Like I have so many girls that are in my um, VIP group that are thinking about the same thing and they're struggling and they don't know what to do. And there's like, how do I even, how do I even start this new journey? And am I making the right decision? And what the hell is this going to look like? Because I'm scared out of my mind and I love him and I can't do this shit anymore. Like, right. And I felt guilty because he's a good man and I'm just, it's just not happening for me anymore. And you're, you're still with your husband though, right? Yeah. I've been married for 20 years. However, I've also been one month away from divorce, like straight up. We were a month away from divorce, papers filed, like papers filed and everything. We had our court date scheduled um, for April. Like I forgot what day, I think it was like even close to my birthday. And um, he ended up coming home. And when he, like, he's like, you know, let's try. And I told him, I don't even know if I want to, because before I was like fighting for it. And after I like figured my, my life out and like just did a lot of self-reflection, it was like, I don't even know if I want to be with you. Like, so yeah. And I, I, we had to go through, I had to figure out who I was and stop attempting to meet all of his needs Hmm. and his expectations and he had to do the same thing, but I couldn't do it for him. And I found myself in the relationship when I when I looked back, it was like the entire time I was doing everything I thought he needed and everything I thought a wife needed to be and do, but that wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. It was the version that I had created. And I don't want to play that role anymore. And with my husband, you know, he was in the military, um, or he just, he just recently retired, but like, he was all about like, well, I, I, ha- I can't do both because he was a drill instructor and it's just a whole bunch of like this crazy mess. And yeah, it was like, it was pretty intense. I'm not going to lie. It was extremely intense. We just had our daughter too. She was a couple months old. Oh, Wow. Yeah. So we were, we were in it. And like I said, I had to figure out who I was and what I really wanted, not what I thought everybody else wanted for me because everybody loves like, like, are you freaking kidding me? He's a great man. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're never going to find anything like that. And then you put in the fact that I'm Hispanic. That's like, dude, he stayed, at least he came back. Like, you're good. You need a, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so I had all of those thoughts in my head I was, I was feeling shame, guilt, resentment, but I didn't feel like me. So yeah, you're not right now. This is the biggest thing in my private practice and with coaching that I'm dealing with. And it is, it's crazy. I'm even couples that I've been working with, you know, they're, they're in the same state because of freaking we're not used to what's happening right now with quarantine we're not used to like before it was easy because we had all of these distractors and we could do this and we could do this to mask what was really happening but then now all that's gone so we got to look at each other's shit and be like dude do i even like you wow what did you do to turn it around i i really had to figure out what i needed i'm recording so whatever we do with this we do with this okay um I really had to look at what I wanted. And there was this one time 
that I was fighting for the marriage. I was doing all of these things because I thought that's what I, I, I needed because, again, we had just had Aaliyah. And we were so... She was born in August. We were separated in October. So, like, new mom, everything. And so, hell yeah, I'm going to fight for my marriage. Hell yeah, I'm going to fight for my daughter to have this unified family. And I remember trying to do that for a while. And it wasn't working. I No matter what I was doing, I just kept on getting met with this freaking wall and I don't mess around when it comes to challenges because it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and defeat it. I'm going to do whatever the hell I can to defeat it because that was my thing until I realized, dude, this isn't working. And I could try to pretend like this emotion isn't there and run from it all day. Or I could sit my ass in it and just sit down, plant my ass on the ground and really sit in it and feel it. I was scared out of my mind. I was so full of this level of uncertainty and questions And he, at any time when he would call me, I'd be there like, all right, cool. You know, sex, whatever you need, I'll be there. Even though we were separated. And I ended up realizing when I was, I went back to school, I was working full time and he called me and I realized I didn't want to pick up. And I was scared because I knew what not picking up meant that he, I was probably pushing him away. And so I was back and forth battling with it and just sitting in that emotion of fear, sitting in that motion of discomfort and uncertainty. And it rang a bunch of times and I missed the call because I was in my in my head, just feeling it and everything. Then he called again. I was like, oh, shit, well, I have to answer. And it was like, no, I'm going to sit in this. And I didn't answer. And then he called again. And 20 times later, still didn't answer. Next morning, I changed my number and I told him, you know, if you want to contact, if you want to be in contact or be with Aaliyah, I'm not going to keep you from her. I need to work on myself and I can't work on myself with you in it back and forth. And so all communication will be through my mom. And I just started to take little steps in figuring out what I wanted my life to look like. And I started realizing like, okay, well, no, I don't like that type of food. And I really don't like that color. And I really don't want to do these things. Well, okay, what are the things that I really do want to do? And I started figuring what that was. I started figuring out what foods I like to eat instead of asking him and and settling. I started realizing that I had a whole bunch of expectations on my plate that there was no way in hell I'd ever, I'd ever, ever meet. And so I stopped doing that to myself. Like, why am I doing that? Why am I setting myself up for failure? And instead, I started leaning in, leaning in, leaning into, you know, my insecurities, challenging my fears. And when I say challenging, I mean getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I realized, well, this isn't so bad. And yeah, it's scary being a single mom. And yeah, I'm living on base housing and eventually I'm going to have to get kicked out because we're going to get a divorce. Okay. And so what? So what? I can do this. When have I ever just stopped? When have I ever not put in the work? Well, I've done it even though I was scared. And so looking at my past and looking at what I wanted in my future, I realized, well, there's no way in hell I'm going to give up on myself. And there's no way in hell I'm allowing myself to quit. So let's go. And that's what I did. Mm. How did you guys wind up back together from that? That's a great question. Um, 
I set boundaries. I started to say no. I was scared. And I realized I didn't want to be that person. And so I wasn't. And he came home. He came back home. I was still on base housing. And he said, I want to work things out. And I told him, I don't know if I want to. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already on this path. And I don't want you to screw it up. And we started, you know, he started opening up about where he was at in life. And I realized in that moment that that game that I used to, I didn't know it was game, but that pattern that I used to be in where I would fix it for him and I would run to his aid and be his mom and be whatever. I wasn't doing that anymore. I was just kind of listening to him and it was listening to him as like a friend or as like. I, you know what? Correction. It wasn't a friend. It was kind of like I was listening to a stranger that I wasn't trying to fix, that I was just like, we were sitting down next to each other. We just happened to be in the same area. And I'm just listening. There wasn't that emotional attachment or this emotional desire of, I need to fix him. I need to heal him, which put so much. I mean, it just felt like all of this weight was lifted because I didn't have to fix him. I didn't have to carry him anymore. And it felt so great. And so scary at the same time because it's like, okay, well, what does this mean if I'm not responsible for him? And he started doing his own work. And as I started seeing him do his own work, I started seeing him as a different person, not somebody I was responsible for. And I started to feel more attraction towards him. I started to feel more empowered. And I know this is like totally cliche, but truly unapologetic where I didn't give a shit. It, nobody was going to tell me what I was going to do with my life. He wasn't going to tell me what I was going to do with my life. And my daughter and I were fine and she had her dad and it was going to be amazing no matter what. And so it was through that process that we started to connect on a different level because we were both vulnerable. And we weren't trying to go out and fit these roles anymore of what we thought we needed to be. It was who we really wanted to be. And slowly we started connecting I hope that answered your question. Yeah. That's a really beautiful process and, and trajectory. It's just, um, <laughs> girl, you know, you're going to spell it like it's happening. It's already happening. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm a fear and anxiety expert and mm -hmm. beneath all kind of quote negativity, because I don't see anything as negative, but you know, just to find a descriptive word is fear. Yeah. Like beneath jealousy is fear beneath self doubt. Unworthiness is fear beneath anger is fear. Like it's, it's just such a huge part of life. And most of us are in denial of how scary life is. Like we don't want to believe that fear is with us every moment of every single day and every single interaction we have. And um, we, I mean, the amount of energy and effort that we spend to block out fear, ignore fear, rationalize it away, breathe it away, meditate it away. You know, we go do yoga so that we don't, you know, can get away from it and have a moment of reprieve from it, exercising in nature, like all these things that we do. I would say like the majority of the time is just to try to run away from that fear and it's just a temporary band-aid and like yoga and exercise and meditation are not meant to be treatments for anxiety disorders, right? No, 
No. Um, and that's what they've become for so many people. And, you know, I guess maybe in talking about your story, we've kind of come to the beginning of the podcast interview and talking about fear. And for those of you listening, I don't know if you were here in the beginning, but um, I uh, just told Veronica that I, I told my husband last night that I want a divorce. And um, my story is different. You know, he's, um, he's just emotionally handicapped. Yeah. And, and he's a good guy, but he's just really um, not capable of being emotionally present. And, um, and I'm living in a different reality than him. And uh, he's going through a midlife crisis and, and what he needed to do was to get away, you know, from me. And yeah. so how he accomplished that was by stonewalling me, by abandoning me and withholding love. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I can be supportive of your process as long as you still tell me you love me and you still, when we see each other, you know, give me a hug or, you know, I'll be patient. And he couldn't even do that. So after three and a half months, I've given up. And, and uh, the other thing that is just so bizarre, I had a date last night. So I told my husband that I wanted a divorce while my date was driving over my house to my house. Oh, all right. And I, I fell in love last night. It's the strangest, like the universe is just, and I'm not the type of person that jumps out of one relationship into the next. I've had seven major relationships in my life. I'm in my fifties and I've had uh, seven devast or seven, six devastating breakups now, now seven. And every single time I wouldn't, I wouldn't have sex for at least nine months with anyone. And I certainly didn't fall in love for at least two years. I mean, that's been my trend. So to, to just have this, like, you know, and, and have the universe like land me in the arms of a extremely emotionally available man. I mean, it's just bizarre. Like clearly this was supposed to happen. And I don't know if my husband and I will wind up truly getting a divorce or not. We had a great relationship, but, but I will say that I think the reason why things are different for me during this quote breakup or whatever this is, is because of what I teach, which is flow, like flowing with it all, not being in denial of the negative of, of life or not trying to rush to comfort as fast as possible, which it looks like I might be doing that, you know, with this man, but that's not actually what's happening. I'm, I mean, in the last three and a half months that my husband and I have been separated, I did what I did with my dad died. You know, when my dad died, I worked through some pretty intense emotions in three days by just crying when I felt like crying, by being upset when I felt like being upset, angry, you know, afraid. And um, just there's a thing called flow and that's what everybody wants to be in. And I actually have an exact description of what flow is, but I feel like I've been talking for a while. So maybe I'll pause and like, you I, kind I, of. <laughs> I have to say something. Okay. So I, I, I have to say it just because I'm feeling it. You mentioned your husband being emotionally unavailable, right? Yeah. Girl, I'm no lie. I wish you were like right in front of me. I kind of want to turn these damn cameras on. It's going to happen. I'm turning them on. I'm like totally hair bun because I was going to work out before our call. 
however life happened. So I'm turning on my, my thing. I don't know if you want to turn it on. Nobody's going to ever see this. It's just going to be me and you. So, okay. okay. I have a cat in my lap. You're good. You're good. You look great. <laughs> you look totally great. So I have to say this to you. You're, you're mentioning all of these things about your husband being emotionally unavailable and you needing that, you yearning for it. You didn't use those words. However, that's what I was feeling. The other thing is giving it three months. Uh, my question to you is how long, how long have you been his caretaker? How long have you been the one that's been carrying him along the way, doing everything, making every excuse as to why he behaves the way he behaves? How long have you been lying to yourself? In 13 years together for 10 of those years. Bingo. And, and he is just kind of an angry guy and was taking it out of me. And I just kept thinking, oh, as long as I, you know, was beautiful and smart and accommodating and, and loving. And, you know, I, I also really stood up for myself and, and said, this is not acceptable behavior. But I, I just went into a marriage trance of what I had to do in order to get this man's love. And I did it. And I'm so proud of who I was in our relationship. And I love the challenge of trying to be the best wife I possibly could be. But it just slowly wore me down. I mean, I feel really tired. I haven't slept in two days. You know, this is a very tumultuous time. I've done a lot of podcasts. And I haven't mentioned my marriage struggles in any of them. This is the first one. And I mean, I've done probably 120 podcasts in the last yeah. three years. That's a lot. And it's just the the fact that you and I landed on this date to talk and, and I didn't even know anything about you. I just researched you five minutes before I got on the call and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's my person. Like, I just, I love you. Thank you for being here. It's like, you're like that man last night that showed up. It's like, oh my gosh, there are emotionally available men. The first thing he did when he walked in the door, I mean, we haven't even said hello yet. He like started doing left eye eye gazing. I'm like, what's your name again? Like, it was crazy. And now here you are. Like, it's just, I'm so amazed by the universe. And yeah. yeah. So another thing that I want to ask is, what do you imagine love to be like? Let this, so we're just going to do it. I'm going to be here with you like the entire time. I wasn't, I had a whole list of questions, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to be here because here's a couple things. I think you are a freaking badass. Like not because of all of the things you've done. Don't get me wrong. You're badass because of that too. However, I think you're this badass. Here's why. Because there's this level of willingness to go ahead and sit in fear. Not a lot of us want to do that. And you're, you were right. I was listening to a couple of your videos and it's like therapists go to cognitive behavioral therapy. They go to all of these tools, which I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, they're great to go ahead and let you ride some of the wave, you know, and not have extreme panic. But what do we do after we got to challenge this? And what I mean by challenging is we got to sit in it. So here we are. We're both going to sit in it. And yes, we're both experts, blah, blah, blah. Look at our degrees. Look at our education, whatever you want to look at. However, we're also human beings. So we're going to be here right now. Human beings, sister to sister, riding this uncomfortable wave together that we both love to hate. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, my gosh. Whoever suggested that life should be about the pursuit of happiness is just really 
screwed us all up. Like life is just Bingo. about learning how to be with what is and just feel what you feel. And I mean, the cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, it is well-meaning. It's it's great. And? And, <laughs> um, and it works. It's scientifically proven to work to help people with anxiety and PTSD and depression and all that. Um, but it's a lot of work, you know, six months of just like intense concentration. To, it's like, yeah, with a lot of work, you can control and create your reality. But then if you stop doing it, you're just going to slowly morph back into whatever you were before. And and the reason why is because it's a top-down approach. Kristen, we're going back to you. We're going back to you, girl. We, we got to go back to you. Yes, we okay. got to go back to you. I mean, I'm doing this podcast. Can we, can we at least do another one where I talk? Oh, about hell to the here. yes, girl. Okay. Hell then- to the yes. So we're, right now, listen, we're just going for it. And it's, it's unscripted. No, the quite, I don't even know where my questions are at right now because with regards to that one, I'm going to save it for later. This is just going to be me and you, two women having a discussion, two experts having <laughs> an honest discussion because this isn't, this does not happen enough. Right. I shared with you, I shared with you my struggle and it was a real struggle. Girl, I'm going to tell you right now, I was on my hands and knees begging for something different. So I know I, I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh my God, I totally know what you're going through because that's a lie. However, I know what that pain feels like. And I know that like you're watching your world come to a complete end and not knowing what the hell to do. I read on your page that, you know, from the outside in, everything looked great in your marriage and everybody in our lives think that Kirk and Kristen are the dream couple. It's like every one that I know aspires to have a relationship like me and my husband had. And we, we weren't miserable. We weren't, we were really super compatible. Like, you know, we're power couple, you know, and then my husband just had an emotional breakdown. He woke up one morning and he looked at me and he, for the first time in his life, I think he felt empathy. And he said, I treat you like shit. He goes, I am. He didn't say, I'm sorry. Instead, he said, I am embarrassed about who I am. I can't even look at myself in the mirror. And so I want a separation. It was a shock. I've never been so shocked. And this is in the middle of the pandemic. We're in rural Mexico in this, in our house down there. There's no flights out. We only have one car. I'm like, well, what do I do? Do I go in the other room? Like I, what's the next step? And then he had what our therapist calls a narcissistic episode that has lasted for three and a half months where he just became so self-absorbed and narcissistic and made it so ridiculously unpleasant that I finally had to get on a plane and 24 hours I had to fly to leave. Normally it's two and a half hour flight and took the cat, you know, um, and then have been stonewalled ever since. And I said, just, just tell me you love me and I'll support you. And he's like, I can't do that. I'm like, just say something kind to me, anything. No. And then he went through the whole blaming me. It was, it's just been torture. And so right now, I just finally, it's like my, my head and my heart 
are at war. Like at one point my head will be like, no, you have to stay. And my heart is like, no, you have to go. And then the next moment my heart is like, no, you have to stay. And my head is like, no, you have to go. And this tug of war. And here's the bottom line though. I know that if I leave, eventually I'll be okay. And uh, probably pretty quickly because I know how to be in flow with this stuff. Like with my dad, like I know how to be in flow with all my emotions. I don't get stuck in them. I know though, if I stay that all bets are off, I might not be okay. And I just, I just choose myself. I choose loving myself instead of loving him or trying to get love from him. You know, can't get water from a stone. And so I've, I mean, I, I, it was the boldest thing I think I've ever done in my life telling him that I want to divorce yesterday because he's saying, I want to get back together and he's being quite wonderful and he's being really sweet and he's doing all these wonderful things for me. But I'm like, you know what? This is not what I want. I'm when I go through a trauma, you know, I move towards other people and love and like, let's do this together. When he goes through trauma, he runs away and goes into pain. It's like, I have, I have learned all I can from pain and trauma. And like, I went through six other breakups and I went into the depths of hell with all of those. And I don't need to do that anymore to learn and grow. I need to go into love. And at this point, if I can't love him, I I heard a quote the other day, grief is love with no place to land. Like if you're, somebody dies, you love them, but you can't tell them. So that's grief, you know? Um, Like I have so much love in my heart. I just love my clients. I love my friends. I love Kirk. I love my cat. I love my, I love the world. I love, you know, and I have no place for my love to go right now. And so I'm, I'm choosing out so that I can go find somebody that can actually, not even somebody, because that somebody is actually me that can actually receive my love. I'm tired of loving him and having it not be received. I now need to love myself and receive that. Absolutely. And love, it's like, just love the planet. Like right now, the planet needs a lot of love. Like that's the externally directed love. And so that's why I said, okay, I'm done. But let me ask you something. It sounds like you've spent your life loving and giving and doing all of these things. My question to you is, how often do you receive it? Because it sounds like you have to be this person in order to receive it. And whenever you're not, you're stonewalled. And how... Who the hell did this to you first? (laughs) Well, I'm really proud of who I am. And, you know, my background as an athlete, you know, made me really fierce. I was very masculine, though, and self-absorbed during my ski career. Like a full-on hedonistic, you know, self-absorbed, egomaniacal. Like, I don't know if you have to be that way to be the best in the world at a death-defying sport. Probably, though. And I feel like the pendulum swing for me, because I was, I'm really ultimately embarrassed about who I was during my ski career, is that I've pendulum swinged into the opposite, radical opposite, where I'm all about being of service to other people, loving other people. I can receive love, though. No problem. I Like my clients. Yes. But what I'm saying is, I get that. But listen to how you're going from one extreme to the other. You went from being that person that like, I'm not letting anybody in to, I'm going to love the world and hug every tree. Not saying you went that far, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. Yeah. My question is, 
how and I know you receive love from your clients, but how how often do you receive love from the people that are in your life? I'm good at it. I know you're good at it. I'm I get that. I I get that. I see love like a color. Like if somebody Kristen, you're avoiding right now. I'm saying who has shown you love? Who has loved you? My friends, my mother, this man last night. That was the most incredible first date I've ever had. It's probably the most incredible connection I've ever had with another human being, to be honest. You didn't mention your dad. Why not? Oh, yeah, my dad sucked. You're, I'm going to tell you right now, you're doing this thing over and over, and you're you're attracting these same people over and over. I know that. And what it is is that my story from my childhood is not that I'm unworthy of love. My story of my childhood is that I am so wonderful. Why can't people see that? Keep which going. I think, which I think is very different than what you find out there. And, and my dad was... Uh, my dad wasn't um, diagnosed a narcissist. I don't think they really did that back then. My husband has actually been diagnosed as having a narcissistic episode. He's not a narcissist, but he's having a narcissistic episode. So anyway, my dad, I kept trying to get my dad to see me and, and care about my feelings and love me and recognize how wonderful I am. And during my ski career, he started bragging to everyone about me, but it was just so that he could get attention. You know, I would say, I would say, Hey, you need to not wear your underwear around the house. Right. I'm 16 years old. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And he's like, you have a problem. And he would make a point to wear his underwear more like no boundaries. And, and I, I tried so hard and I tried so hard to get him to, care about my feelings and he just couldn't he was mentally ill and to the point where I finally just gave him everything that he needed became the really loving person like became a plus plus Kristen when I was in my 40s because I realized he was going to die soon and if not now when like okay I'm going to do everything I can to have the best possible relationship with my dad before he dies and as soon as I did that now keep in mind I'm a spiritual artist, a teacher. I, I'm obsessed with personal work, right? Like I'm as evolved as, you know, you'd hope somebody to be at my age. And here I am in my 40s and my dad and I are now seemingly having a great relationship. And one day he tweaks my nipple and grabs my ass in my 40s. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's just no... The boundaries, Mm-mm. there's just, it just wasn't ever going to happen. And I, I, that was the end. And I'm like, what's that like to say? What's that like to say it was never going to happen? Yeah. And that's what it's happening with my husband right now. Bingo. It's never going to happen. What's I'm trying like to get water you? out of a stone. What's that like? What is it's, that like for it's, you? Uh, it's releasing. Cause then I don't have any guilt. I don't have any guilt with my dad, but I have guilt with my husband right now. Like, cause I, I think that he's, he's capable of all this stuff with the yes. support. But I the don't want a freaking project. I don't, I don't want my precious gifts 
to be burned out helping one man figure it out. You know, what I teach is what he needs. Bingo. And I, I would rather uh, give my love and, and considerate attention and, and gifts to people who I'm not entwined with. Yes. You know? Well, it makes it easier. It makes it easier because there's not that that expectation. There's not that emotional connection. And it's easier to see it with other people than the people that we love and adore. And you mentioned your dad doing what he did. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. This is so freaking confusing. Like, I thought we were good. I thought I was finally gaining acceptance from you. And then this happens. Like, how in the hell is that even okay? How did you think that this would be okay? And then the other part of how the hell did I fall into the lie? How did I get trapped in here? How did I get baited? Um, I know why. I'm an Enneagram 8, and I love challenges. And, you know, there's a saying, the four agreements, and I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but from that book, you know, somebody will abuse you only as much as you are willing to abuse yourself or you, you're abusing yourself. And so I thought, well, you know, cause my husband was verbally abusive. Was I just like, okay with that because I verbally abused myself. And I don't think that that's it. I'm, I'm definitely different. I, I think more what was going on is that I saw this as an, a challenge like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm married to a man who takes his anger out on me. Well, this is a perfect opportunity for him to learn something and grow and figure out where his anger comes from. And this is a perfect opportunity for me to like um, stand up for myself and be a strong woman. And, you know, for the first three years that he did this, every time he would say mean things to me, I would say, babe, what's wrong? You're saying really mean things like, you know, what's going on? What's going on with you? You know, I'm unhappy at work. Well, let's, let's change that. You know, And I just was of service, of service, of service, which makes me feel good because I was so self-absorbed for so long to now be of service. It's like it's balancing out so that I feel good about myself. Like I, I, you know, for every moment of self-absorption, I needed to have a moment of just complete like caring and selflessness. And so I, I got to feel really good about myself in those moments and negate the bad feelings that came from his criticism. And I also didn't take it personally until I did. And probably three years ago, I started taking it personally. Like, why is this man, why can't he love me? It's, it's, there's something wrong with me. Like I started to believe it. I've been reading all these books about the verbally abusive man and angry controlling men. And it's like, I, I have literally highlighted six out of every sentences in these books, like classic, like disintegration, like frog and slowly boiling you know heating water and um and i actually have to thank my husband for be the being the one to snap us out of it there's this other part though here's yours with every relationship we have fault too yours was create making him a project something you can heal with the okay let's go ahead and figure this out you had a rough day at work let's go ahead and let's go ahead and let's go ahead and change that you were attempting to be his coach. Versus- I, yeah, I was and I wasn't. I actually refused to do that. Yeah, 
I see that. Yeah. However, I'm I'm wondering why didn't you just let that happen? Why you know if that's where he was at, why didn't you allow him to just be frustrated? Would he have taken it out on you? What would have that looked like? Um, he did, and he. A lot of the the kind of common explanations for things. I mean, I'm a. I just want you to just be here, Kristen, because you go into what's the right answer. Yeah, it, well, I am, but it's like I I don't fit any cliches. I'm not saying you do. I'm not trying to. You are so set on making sure that I don't put you in this box. I'm not going to put you in this box. We are not finished yet. Tune in on Wednesday for part two of this episode. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now and rate and review. Thank you, guys. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I know you're ready for the next steps. If you want to become empowered and unapologetic, get my free course, Unapologetically Me, over at empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash course. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host, practice of the practice, or the guests are providing legal, mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020 and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, 
all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.